to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 295, recorded December 23rd, 2018. So today we're just jumping around on Gold Key. So Yes, uh, we are. And this recording is a long time in coming, I can tell you. So we've had we, a lot of false starts in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yes, we have. But we're here today, and our technology is hopefully working for us, our recording uh, software and everything. But uh, yes, it's it's Christmas time, and what gift is better than the gift of Gold Key? There you go. So this one's kind of funny because we're doing 33, which we knew we hadn't covered, and then we knew we had covered 34, but we thought we hadn't covered 35, and it became this big ordeal uh, where we found out that we already did cover 34, 35, 36, and 37, either in past episodes or they were reprints of earlier issues. So yeah. All yeah. things said, today we're doing issue 33 and then 38, and all the other ones have already been covered, so go back yeah. and look at the old episodes to uh, fill you in. Right. It looks like Gold Key was uh, very into reprints by this yeah. point in the I run. in the late 70s, that, that year they were just uh, – they reprinted the, the Planet of No Return and the Planet of the Qu- Quick Change Planet, whatever it was. Right. Um, so, yeah. And and then that uh, that Voodoo Planet one – is reprinted. That's right. They did reprint that one. Your faves. My favorite, my absolute favorite gold key issue ever. Not. They oh. actually thought that was good enough to reprint. Uh, I think it's issue 45 or something like that. It's in the 40s somewhere where they reprinted it. So we'll be skipping that one. I hope. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna cover that one again. No, we're not. <laughs> okay, we good. Didn't, we didn't cover the planet quick change, so we're not gonna cover that one again. Sounds good. So uh, this is issue 33, and uh, like I said, 38, so I'll do 33, uh, this synopsis. And it's not a horrible issue, but uh, it, it's high praise. Better, better than the one that you were doing. <laughs> high praise indeed, not horrible. Yeah, it's not horrible. <laughs> but it is aimed at a younger audience, so it has some uh, some some inconsistencies. So uh, shall we just jump into it? Let's do it. All right. So uh, as normal, Gold Key does not let us know who the writers and artists are. Uh, the cover is one of the painting covers, which are always looking nice. Uh, the middle of the page shows these two silhouettes of the Shat looking at each other. Um, the uh, Around their foreheads, we see two Enterprises duking it out. And then in the lower part of the page, we see two fencers in fencing outfits uh, holding a foil in one hand and a phaser in the other. And then the caption reads, Kirk versus Kirk, a duel to save the universe from oblivion. So basically the Enterprise has traveled to the source of all, basically the whole universe. They're going to the place where the Big Bang actually happened. Uh, there's a lot of pages explaining what the Big Bang is. Uh, then when they get to this area of void space where there's nothing because it's all exploded out uh they go too far into the blackness 
and the engines are stopped. They they don't move. They're dead in the starless void, and uh, it looks like they're going to be there forever. So some scanners show that a life pod is also in the void. And then there's a crewman named uh, Lieutenant Nova, and she is able to create a shuttle that runs on thought waves. So since thought waves are not stopped by this area of the universe, uh, they're able to take the shuttle, grab the pod, come back, and uh, all this is done with a special helmet she wears that uh, transmits her thought waves into impulse engines. Somehow. Magic. So uh, once inside the ship, the pod opens up, and we find a, another Captain Kirk, this time wearing a blue tunic. He tells them that he's from a long-past version of the universe before the universe imploded and then restarted again with this most recent Big Bang. He said he's there to help our universe not make the same mistake that his did, and he says that they have repeated this cycle over and over and over again, and basically there is no such thing as free will because everything has happened again, and it will happen. It happened in the past, and it's always going to happen again the exact same way. So he's gone and done this whole like life pod thing to confront our Captain Kirk to somehow stop this cycle. So he's going to do this by challenging him to a fight using foils and phasers set to kill. Once the fight starts between the two Kirks, the Enterprise is then attacked by another Enterprise, which has no problem flying around in the void of space. The Enterprise, our Enterprise, is just a setting duck to this imposter. Yet Kirk, on the other hand, is holding his own against his doppelganger. Whilst fighting, he's able to actually give orders to the ship, and he tells Lieutenant Nova to rig up her thought machine to the Enterprise itself, and then have the whole crew join hands and with their combined thought power move the Enterprise to dodge the oncoming attacks from the duplicate ship. And this seems to work. Uh, Kirk, fighting the other Kirk, is able to knock down his doppelganger. The fake Kirk tells the real Kirk to just kill him. Kirk fires his phaser straight into the other Kirk's face, but as we suspected, uh, our Kirk had always had his phaser set to stun, not kill. So as soon as the fake Kirk is knocked out and loses, loses consciousness, the attacking Enterprise just vanishes. The crew then uses their thought power to get the real Enterprise out of the void of space and when they return back to normal space, Kirk wonders to himself if the choice not to kill that other Kirk was the correct one so that the universe will continue forever or if he just made the same choice that all the other Kirks have made and uh, will somehow reboot itself. Uh, maybe in the near future, starring Chris Pine, we'll never know. The end. You said that this one was better than mine yeah i think so and i which really speaks poorly for these two issues <laughs> they're not that bad i'm but oh they're bad i mean i'm sorry for being so negative I, you know obviously i mean no it's bad it's very bad i mean it, it started off having a decent explanation of the big bang theory at least you know not the tv show and um you know for the layman and it, it started off with a decent explanation, at least 
to my understanding of it. And then it just went on with a series of WTFs from there. And uh, there was a lot of head scratching moments in this issue. I yeah. Agree. It's like, I mean, okay, so you, you started off with a decent explanation of the Big Bang Theory, and you proceed to try to use it in a story, and you do. It's just, you just totally go off the rails and making an amazing amount of stuff up. <laughs> right, so how did uh, this little life pod... Survive the Big Bang? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. No, survive the big implosion and survive the Big Bang. Well, it's, the yeah, cycle. yeah, the, the big... The big um, what, what uh, the big um, I forget, there's actually a name they have for when it all gets pulled back together again, supposedly. Yeah, I don't remember. What I it forgot is. what it is, but uh, yeah, how did it survive that? I mean, we're talking about billions of years. All that's going to take. Uh, how did that pod continue to operate all that time? How did it survive the implosion? Everything coming together, the explosion, the Big Bang, and uh, uh. <laughs> right. I, 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 so it, he couldn't have been who he said he was, but whatever. Um, and and what was the point? I mean, what was the point of doing all of this to stop the cycle? Why would you want to stop the cycle? I mean, right? How could you stop the cycle? If he. What choice could he have made? I didn't even understand the whole choice thing. I was really scratching my head about what what are you talking about? Exactly. I mean – And he, and, uh, and the other Kirk doesn't even explain it. He's just like, you, you have a choice to make, and now we're going to fight. Oh, and oh, I'm like, what? what? Well, not only that, Kirk agreed to the fight. All the guy said is, I'm going to challenge you to a fight. And then Kirk just says, okay. And then if he loses the fight, somehow this other Kirk takes over the Enterprise and does something different. Oh, I, was that what he was going to do? I thought that's what it was. <laughs> I didn't even catch that part. Uh, but it's I like, and then outcome. I thought whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Man, I don't know. I don't know either. But but Kirk does that. I mean, yeah, what about the safety of your crew? I mean, what is this? Is a mono mono uh, Charles Bronson move? Come on. Anyway, it makes no sense. And nope. by the way, you're armed with phasers and a fencing foil, and you're bothering to put, like, fencing pads and stuff on? Really? You've got a phaser. What's the, what's the point of a foil if you've got a set phaser? To set to kill. Exactly. And it's like, do they ever use it? I never. I don't remember anybody getting shot. Well, nobody got shot until the end. But they're yeah. shooting at each other. I mean, I think are there's multi. I think they are. So they're shooting in the ship. They're in the ship, and they're shooting phasers set to kill. Okay, I see one shot where you get. Yeah, okay, all right. I see the other Kirk is shooting at our Kirk. Exactly right. Yeah. But <sighs> but then later whatever. he uh, he kind of escapes from our Kirk and he knocks out Scotty. Yes. Yep. Yep. But why doesn't he kill him? Well, he, because he wants him to be bait. He wants him to be bait for uh, for Good Kirk, and uh, and that works. So Kirk, Good Kirk goes in and tries to untie Scotty, and that's when he has his hands, you know, free of his weapons. Right. right. Then he ends up kicking him in the back. But exactly. Okay. Whatever. But even a, a phaser set at stun to your face, I thought they said would kill you. Uh, well, it, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't uh, tickle. Yeah, I don't know. All right, and so I didn't mention it in the in the synopsis, but shortly after they win the fight, uh, yeah. they do throw 
evil Kirk into the pod and just throw him back out into the space. Yeah. Without getting any explanation as to why he was there. And then a ghost version of Kirk does show up and kind of like, hey, you made the choice. You have to live with it. And then disappears again. So I don't – what was the ghost Kirk? Was there ever yeah. a Kirk? Was it any ever real? I don't know. I don't know, but you're you're sentencing that other Kirk to death, I would think, if you're going to throw him in that pot and throw him out. I mean – Been there for billions of years already, so what's uh, Supposedly. Of, what's some more billions? Uh, so is this going to happen? I mean it's got an incredible source of power, I must say. But is that he's just going to hang around until the next go around? It's like yeah. – uh, put the guy in the brig. I mean I don't know. Throw him on a planet. Set he off a four. Exactly. Do something. <laughs> uh, so um, at first when they were going to use this pod thing, instead of just taking a shuttlecraft, I was like, okay, why why are you using a shuttle? Why aren't you just using a shuttlecraft? You, 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 you just take – all of a sudden we've got a pod like right out of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay, whatever. Okay, so I guess you need grappling hook or grappling arms. Okay, maybe that makes sense. Maybe you should have just beamed it aboard, um, or w- were the transporters out too? Yeah, see, I, 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 w- I was wondering the same thing if the transporters were out since the engines were out. Yeah, because that's exactly life what they. Life support seems to be working. So oh, everything oh, else there seems you to go. Be exactly. So life support works, but uh, weapons don't work. Propulsion doesn't work. Okay, whatever. And then okay, so so it was that that lieutenant or whatever. Uh, that that lady with the dark hair. Yeah, it was Lieutenant her. Nolan. Okay, so she's the one that came up with the um with with the helmet with like wires coming out of it. Yeah, the thought 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 propulsion or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yep, that was hers. She's a genius. Boy, I guess she is. And uh, and okay, whatever. So she uses this thing to to use the the, the pod. And it leaves the pod bay doors hell. And did you notice how in the scene where you first see Lieutenant Nova and you're kind of, you know, transfixed on her. But if you look at the guy with the uh, green shirt on, it looks like he's filling her up. The pod. Look, at the, he's got a gas thing in his hand. Like, like you know, like a Chevron. On which page? Because. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time you see her. Yeah. To the right of her, right. you see the guy with some machine or something, and there's a hose going into basically a gasoline fueling thing. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, it got you so so tickled you got sick. Uh, I don't know if I got sick, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That is funny. I didn't even notice him. Well, I just noticed it now as I was looking at it, but it's like, oh my god. Um. Anyway, you got something to say? So uh, yeah, the I I do want to say one, a couple of things. One, yeah. I it is funny that later in uh, I believe it was Next Generation, uh, they also end up going into a void space where they can't use the engines or anything like that, and well, they're kind of stuck there forever. Void space. They are in the primordial atom. Is that what they say? That's what they say. Okay. They enter so the they primordial enter atom. atom. No, no. The, the primordial atom. So they shrink that, really tiny. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so the whole primordial atom thing is the entire universe is densely packed into the primordial atom. And then in the Big Bang, it explodes to release all the matter that creates the universe. Right, I guess so. That. they're supposedly in it. But it shouldn't be How there could you expand it all? Exactly, the exactly. There's... We so are anyways. entering the primordial atom. So well, how could it a... be there? The universe is here. <laughs> so, but when they enter it, all yeah. the stars go away, and everything, all the engines stop, and everything like that. Yeah, and and they're, and they're not crushed to death immediately, right? Right. But I'm just From saying, the there is an episode of the Next Generation where they also somehow enter a space where the ship doesn't work, right? And it's just stuck there, and they don't know if they're ever going to be able to get out. Okay, okay. So I, I kind of remember it was that. Funny that it was uh, it was later revisited. Well. In a way, not, not not the exact circumstance, but the the dilemma. What? How are you going to get out of this space where the engines don't work? Right. You can't, you know, pull out rows oars right. and row yourself. Yeah, exactly. And when we get to the next issue, um, it also has similarities with a next gen episode. Right. But this issue also has a similarity between uh, another movie franchise, yeah, uh, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy. The whole if we hold hands and you link our powers oh, that. together, oh that, we're able to hold uh, uh, an Infinity Stone, and here they're able to lock hands together and through the sheer brain power move a starship out of the center of the universe or wherever they're at. Yeah, yeah. Thought it was funny that it was mirrored somewhere else. That's a bit of a stretch, but it's a stretch, uh, yeah. But, but okay. that's what—that's the vibe I was getting when they're all holding hands and they're all like straining while they're holding right. hands. To... Right. Because yep. I hated that part in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm not a too big fan of it here either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did that? I mean, the the main reason um, Quill didn't go all dead is because he because of his father is, you know. He's part, or was part, um, w w w what's the name of that, those aliens that live forever um, in the Marvel Universe? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Immortals. I don't know what their names are. But there's, there's a special name for them, and Ego was one of them and whatever. But anyway, so that's the reason Quill was able to do it. So why they, w w what the hell could Gamora and everybody else have any, well, whatever, doesn't matter. You're thinking too hard of it. You gotta, you gotta watch uh, that Marvel movie as if it was a gold key comic. <laughs> that you're not the target audience, and you're not supposed to think too hard. Well, you almost any Marvel movie like that, any superhero movie, really. But whatever. Okay. Um. Okay, so let me see. I think we already mentioned many of my concerns with this issue. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how anybody had time to whip up the space, the, the helmet with the wires in it. It just boggles my mind. She was probably already working on it and then just like, hey, I, I do have this. On that the must side. be it. So what about that... Um, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to hold back on it. 
um, McCoy uses a big device that almost looks like a cross between a, I'm going to say it, between a uh, movie camera from the 60s and a vibrator. And rather than using a medical tricorder, he uses this concoction, this thing, um, on the cylinder to determine that there is life in the cylinder. There is a living thing inside the cylinder. Right. It, it looks like a big x-ray machine from the dentist back in the day. No, not in my opinion. <laughs> it, it looks like a right. big movie camera. Gotcha. I except the front before. of it. You don't have to keep talking. Is not a lens. It is a radiator thing that's shooting out. <laughs> you can see the beams coming out. Yeah, that's it, beams. Anyway, yeah. So I just, I just wondered. I mean, I mean, that's right up there with Spock's um, at the beginning when he's doing the Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. thing. He's got this huge thing that looks like, uh, like a home movie projector from like the fifties. I mean, it's big. I'm expecting 35 millimeter film in there. So something, yeah. something like that. Some Super Eight in there, maybe. <laughs> I mean, this this looks like an old projector from a movie house, you know, from from, you know, I, I think I I may have seen the uh, towering inferno using a device like that. Anyway, I will say that all the artwork uh, in his little slideshow yeah. is actually quite nice. It is nice. I, I liked the uh, the swirly stuff. Well, even the stuff with the Enterprise coming up to it looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it looks like an Very octopus kind of thing. It looks like an octopus kind of thing. Yeah. I think that it, this is this is the issue. These first four pages, uh, you're supposed to read while you're partaking in certain substances. There you go. You you popped your shrooms, and you're going to enjoy the next uh, uh, two pages. Yep. Right. Agreed. So my last comment is, uh, I don't like that. If if your captain was in some sort of stupid fight like this, uh-huh. um, and obviously busy elsewhere. Um, Spock being the second in command should be making all the calls. Of yeah, course he Spock should. Spock just stands there and the and is just standing there like, well, Captain, what do we do? Exactly. And he's like, oh, I need you to do this, and why don't you do this and this? And he gives him a lot of orders before he comes up with the idea of using Lieutenant Nova's thing, because uh, he's the one that's like saying, hey, raise the shields, you know, like really? Duh. They get him to say raise the shields before you did it. Spock sitting there in the chair. I didn't like that he wasn't calling any of the shots, even though he he should have been. Captain Kirk, if he was in, uh, elsewhere busy, Spock should be making the calls. Of course. That, now, mind you, I think a script like this, William Shatner, the actor, would have loved, because it was all centered around him, but it's ridiculous. Spock has proven himself uh, a very able uh, leader and captain countless times in the TV show and movies. Anyway, whatever. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, Kirk maybe needed to uh, come up with the idea of using the the Lieutenant Nova's thing, but, uh, you know, just because he thinks outside of the box. (laughs) Aside from that, uh, I I didn't like that he was doing everything. No, no. Didn't make sense. So there is an ad there on uh, the second to last page uh, for some psychedelic posters, so I I guess – I guess we weren't too far off on those first few pages. Uh, oh, and they were yeah. actually advertising that, uh, 
you know, not necessarily that same artwork, but uh, something that's equally trippy, man. Exactly. I wonder if these were all black light ones. Ooh. <laughs> Three bucks, it, two bucks, bargains. Bargains. Back then, that's 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 a lot of comic books. Yeah. This one, what, cost 10 cents, 15 cents? Mm, something like that. Cents? 25 cents a quarter. You can get four of these or... A four. trippy, psychedelic uh, poster. Yeah, right. Or those cool iron-ons. <sighs> uh, they had iron-ons? Yeah, like halfway through. Oh, okay. Uh, or the revolutionary soldiers, war soldiers. Only 225 you get a lot of little dudes for that. Exactly. We will we will ship you little blobs of plastic that you can barely make out as human beings for only two twenty five. Okay. Okay. So anything else about this one? Nope. I'm good. Okay. Okay. The next absolute work of art is issue number thirty eight. It's titled "One of Our Captains Is Missing," and it has a cover. That features a patriotic red, white, and blue winged serpent bird thing being attacked by some dark-haired guy in a red loincloth using a sword. It looks like, like a Conan kind of thing or something. Um, only he's got cut hair. Three bald white guys are in the background in blue loincloths. Some kind of white and red rocket ship with long skis for landing gear flies around overhead. The text tells us Kirk is stranded on a savage planet. Uh, so apparently the dark-haired Tarzan-looking guy is apparently Kirk. So I kind of knew that, but looking at the face, you would never be able to tell. Doesn't look anything like Shaq. Shat. Kirk receives orders to temporarily turn over command of the Enterprise to Captain Zarlo, while Kirk flies off on a secret mission. The crew is not happy with the departure of their captain, particularly Scotty. When the time comes... For Kirk's departure, he gets a hero send-off, while, which makes Zarlo feel bad, since no former crew of his felt that way about him. Darn it. In his embarrassment, he cracks down on them, the rest of the crew, that is, right away ordering NME drills to show the crew who's boss. Days later, on planet Morbita, in an alien disguise, Kirk is the victim of a specious attack that lands him in jail. He finds the arrest was a setup that allowed him to meet with Prime Minister Edo in secret. Kirk finds out about the native people on Morbita named Togatas, a peaceful people with unusually beautiful artistic abilities. The first of the Prime Minister's people who discovered the Togatas in the Togas jungle, which is a remote portion of their planet that's covered with thick jungles, was struck by their hospitality and their unparalleled ability to create excellent art. In time, thieving elements of the Prime Minister's people started taking advantage of the Togatas, exploiting their labor and even resorting to murder and slavery. In time, the Togatas learned to fight back and even obtained advanced weaponry to start a resistance with. The Prime Minister went to put an end to all this and so for peace, but his recent attempts are at direct contact have only met with violent attacks by the Togatas. 
The PM asks why Kirk is even here on his planet, given the Federation's policy of non-interference. Kirk says his people suspect the Klingons are stoking the newfound Togatus violence and providing advanced weaponry, which they have been using against the PM's people. Kirk says he needs to get close enough to the Togatas to get evidence of Klingon involvement. The PM agrees to help by getting one of his more talented people to disguise Kirk as a Togatan complete with loincloth and a full-body pale yellow paint job. Kirk is dropped off in the jungle near one of the larger Togatan population centers and warned not to get too close to the Togatans. They do not speak, but rather communicate through images put in each other's minds via some form of telepathy. Kirk is able to see the images, but he will be unable to respond to them. From a high point, Kirk is able to observe and take video footage of the Klingons drilling the Togatans and carrying out weapons training. Further, the Klingons are threatening the Togatans with forced labor as some of their brethren already are subjected to. Kirk is caught by a Klingon who, who exposes him as an outsider. He is brought before the Togatan leader, who is apparently fine with some of his people being put into forced labor in exchange for the weaponry. Kirk is put to trial by combat, carried out by a sizable native. When Kirk gets the upper hand, the Dogatan uses his mental images of rhino-like beasts and a flying serpent from the cover to put Kirk off balance. Kirk is finally able to grab the king as a hostage and make his escape, but not before he warns the king of what poopheads Klingons are and that eventually they will betray and subjugate the Togatans as they have done in so many other planets. Alone in the jungle, Kirk is able to pull out a communicator, apparently from under his loincloth. He uses its incredible range to contact the Enterprise, that is light years away. At first, Captain Zarlo and Spock are not swayed by the pleas of the crew to go and aid Captain Kirk. They have their orders, and they do not include helping Kirk. Sulu and Scotty make it clear that they either help Kirk or they will have a mutiny on their hands. Zarlo capitulates and says they are off to Mobia. Meanwhile on Mobia, the king is making it clear to the Klingon that his people will be free of the Klingons after they win their war with the prime minister. The Klingon lies through his teeth, pledging support from his ship in orbit if needed in the war and then their freedom afterward. Seeing an opportunity, Kirk re-enters the village and calls the Klingon a liar and recounts how the Klingons have made the same broken promises on many other worlds. The king tells them they will fight mano y mano and the power of truth will deal defeat to the liar. Kirk wins, of course, but the Klingon triggers a transmitter that he says tells his ship to lay waste to the population center to remove all evidence of Klingon involvement on this world. Before the crew can carry out the cruel directive, the Enterprise enters orbit and chases the oddly colored D-7 away. Later, Kirk is able to witness the first discussions between the Prime Minister and the King, 
the king transmits an image of a duck with two babies that Kirk says is a call for peace. The PM says he has to get the hang of this mental images thing because it just looks like a duck and two ducklings to him. Later on the Enterprise, Captain Zarlo happily turns command of the Enterprise back to Kirk. McCoy makes a joke about Zarlo turning out to be a better captain than expected and that Kirk can be replaced. Spock says they can all be replaced, even a ship's doctor. Wah, 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 wah. The end. All right, so my number one question, Ken, <laughs> yes. is who does Captain Zarlo look like? Mike Ditka. It looks like you, man. What? No, it looks like Mike Ditka. Yeah, look at that page where it's doing the, for he's a jolly good fellow, that bottom left-hand corner picture of him talking about doing the the nuke malfunction drill for five days. That's like they drew a picture of you. No, that's, that's Mike Ditka. That's the only panel in, out the, in the whole book where I thought it looked like you, but man, that one looks like you. I don't know what you're talking about. So look in the mirror and then look at that picture. Which one? <laughs> which one? Where he's actually saying the five days thing. This the last line is days. five days. The la- the bottom the left hand panel on uh, the he's a jolly good fellow page. That looks nothing like me. Nothing. You just don't know what you look like, Ken. I know what I look like. <laughs> that looks like Mike Ditka. I could see that kind too. Kind of. Kind of. A little bit. Only because you look just like Mike Ditka. No, I don't look pride. anything. Look, look at it. You don't look like Mike Ditka now. Look, at, he's got he's got his hair completely combed back, slicked back. My hair is not that way, and my I certainly do not have a, the kind of manly mustache that Mike Ditka has, <laughs> who, by the way, could defeat the entire Russian war machine. Mike Ditka. The okay. bars. The bars. The barsk. Okay. So uh, okay, well we have our differences of opinion. I meant it as a compliment. I'm it's not, not. It's not a compliment. Look at look at the next panel. I, I, I mean, I he looks he looks only, like a belligerent, jowly. Uh... Only that one panel. Only okay. that one panel. Okay. Okay. Fine. You know how how gold key is never always consistent. So I think they might have oh. used a picture of you from the future not for consistent. that panel. Oh my and god. And a picture of somebody else for all the rest. Yeah. <laughs> like the many pictures of Kirk in this issue. Right. Oh my god! It's just amazing how different. Kirk's well, look face at the, the picture of Kirk right above the the picture of you. <laughs> Kirk looks like uh, oh, to me. Damn your hide! Like a uh, like, uh, Jeremy Hunter or whatever, not not Shatner. Christopher Hunter. Christopher? Christopher Hunter, yeah. Is it Christopher? Oh, uh, I don't know. No, Jeffrey. I think uh, you're Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Jesus, that's him. Well, okay, so there's another page. I don't know where, where it is exactly, but I've got it in my notes. But there's another one where at the bottom of the page, it kind of looks like the Shat. And then at the top, it looks nothing like the Shat. All on the one page. So right. they obviously have the work split up amongst many, many Italian people that have never, ever seen the show. And some people actually get given a still and other people – still photo. And other people are given nothing. Just Just draw this. <laughs> this is not the same. How, how could this be the same guy? I think how, he's just no. I I don't think it's the same artist. Hmm. How could it be so different from page? Oh yeah, anyway, I found the page. So it's uh, page thirteen, I think. Uh, yeah, page thirteen of the PDF. So at the top page, top right, uh, on on the right page. So this is just after the fight with the rhino right, thing, right? With, Upper, him, with holding the sword, it, holding the sword. It's like. 
That is one person. Yeah, that looks like uh, George Lazerby, who played James Ooh. Bond, the second actor who played Good James call. Bond. Good call. Good call. Like yes, it does look like him. Okay, so they, he, that, that artist got – he was given the wrong photo. <laughs> he was given a James Bond photo. <laughs> right. And then the artist on the bottom of the page was given a Kirk photo. But don't worry about the hair color. Just make it black. Okay. Right, right. Anyway. Yeah, so this is a uh, guest starring George Lazerby. <laughs> Lazerby, Lazenby, whatever Lazenby, it was. Right. The only actor to play both James Bond and Jor El. You know, so. Uh, what? When did he play Jor El? I I praise. Uh, in an episode of Superboy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I am okay. I'm, I feel better about not having never not not knowing about that reference. Okay, good. Okay, so let's begin, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> There's not going to be a lot of praise here, but it just it's just kind of funny. So a caramel-colored D7 cruiser. I mean, I, I, I know that they show phasers a lot of times that are colored red, and maybe that makes it show up better, you know, in a busy, busy image, so you can really tell, hey, there's a, there, there's a weapon here. But why a caramel-colored D7 cruiser? They can paint them whatever they want to, Ken. I know, I know, but it's – okay, fine. It's just very odd. Okay, so what what makes Kirk uniquely qualified to go on the secret mission? I mean, don't don't they have like black ops people, covert ops people? Right. Uh, yeah, I, I do, do not understand why why he's on the on the mission. Right. Okay. And why they had to transfer command and all that BS? Because it really adds. I mean, they've done it a time or two in Next Generation where yeah. they they've done that, and but. The fact that he's leaving Starfleet or whatever was part of the show, so it, it meant something to whoever he was defecting to or whatever. Uh, but this, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just just there for the crew to be pissed off. Right. Um, yeah, whatever. So, it, it, yeah, an example of one of the next-gen ones was Chain of Command, and that's where we, we – I, I thought this was like the one with Jellico. Um, oh, right. So yeah. – um, but of course, that one was, you know, Picard rather than Kirk. And I think they actually said something about why Picard was uniquely qualified to go on this mission. Uh, I don't remember the details, but at least I think they tried to give a reason. Um, and of course, that one involved the, the Cardassians, not the Klingons. But whatever. I mean, um, anyway. So, and that was a pretty good. That I think it was at least a two-parter. Oh yeah. So I did enjoy that uh, that story. Uh, not so much this one. Okay. Uh, was it you that pointed out that uh, in that episode, Jellico was 100% in the right in every single instance, and it was it's the crew that's being poopy? Poopy? Um, yeah. Okay. Actually, I I never I I never liked Jellico. I thought he was was a poophead. Um, but there's this guy on YouTube. Um, I forgot his name, but he does all kinds of uh, Star Trek related things, mostly Star Trek things. And he's really he's got a baseball cap and he's he's a beard. He, he's a pretty sharp guy. Um, but he pointed that out. Um, and then once he pointed that out, he, he made his 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 uh, uh, his argument. I thought back on it, says, you know, Jellicoe. Was still a poophead, but not so much a poophead as I thought originally. 
this this guy's right about a lot of things. So yeah, that 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 was my point when I said that before. Now this guy, the one in this issue, he's just a poophead to be a poophead because nobody loves him. Exactly. Exactly. He makes. Not only does he set the record on this whole nuclear malfunction drill, right? He then says, "Because that record was by idiots, we're gonna do better again." <laughs> For no reason. What is he? Getting yeah, exactly. Out of that? Nothing. Nothing. He's 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 an insecure person. He's just an insecure person, Donovan. You need to see past his insecurities. I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, um, yeah. So, but in the end, he turned out okay. So there you go. And and in the end with Jellicoe, he was still a a hard butt. But in the end, he was, you know, like, okay, great job, everybody. Later. Right. And when they brought him back in the comic books for, like, uh, he did a one-shot, and then I think he showed up again uh, a time or two, and I've always enjoyed him. I mean, he's still a, a very stickler to the rules, but mm-hmm. it's not like he's just a jerk to be a jerk. He's doing what he thinks is his best, right? Just, just... Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's just, you know, he isn't... He... <sighs> Some leaders can also be friends, and some leaders think they need to be uh, keep a distance, and um, and in some cases think they need to be jerks, and that's just they think that's the way it has to be. Right. Um, and so he is an extreme example of that. I think. So would you say that Picard? Yeah. Was one of the ones uh, in the original series, the original seasons, that he was. Very standoffish. He had to yes, remove very, himself from everybody. Yes, exactly. And in fact, he never joined the card games until the last episode. Right. So, yes, he he he, he was really standoffish in the first season, at least. Uh, and then he warmed up to people more. Uh, but even, you know, even being as close to taking part in the in the, in the poker games. Right. That was an interesting decision, I thought. To have him standoffish like that? Well, to have him even until the last episode still have him not involved in the in the in the uh, in the poker games. Right. I think he knew that they needed some time away from him where they could just uh, let their hair down and don't have to worry about yeah the boss being there. Shh, the boss is here. There you go. Exactly. Shh. No, I thought that was an interesting story arc that I didn't even realize they were doing until until uh, towards the end of the season seven when they started pointing it out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Mm. Good call. Yeah. Okay, so where did Kirk have that communicator? Uh, in a uh, pocket in Is, the suit. Oh, okay. Right next because to his Because that's cone? not just paint. That's an actual mask and stuff that he's wearing. So – yeah. Well, okay. So, okay. So yeah. So he's got a mask. I'll agree with that. He's got some kind of mask that makes him bald. So obviously there's skull cap or something. And bald. yellow. And, right. Then his whole body has to be painted yellow. It has to be. Now once he's caught and the rubber mask is pulled off of his head, okay, I can dig that for his head. But what about the rest of his body? Because the next time we see him, he is normal pink skin. And he and peeled his, off the costume. I think there was a there was latex underneath oh, the his whole, clothes. Okay, all of it was uh, latex. Okay, fine. So, um, and obviously, right next to the communicator in the pocket is a comb. 
because his hair was pretty much uh, in place uh, throughout the, uh, the the issue. Right. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that uh, you don't always think about your hair, and you might run outside, go to the store, and then realize while you're there, huh, I don't think I ever brushed my hair after I got out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah, so you you make sure that you bring a comb. Yeah. Yeah, that happened today, actually. I was pretty embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. But yes, uh, Kirk, he has some sort of uh, makeup team there to make sure he looks immaculate at all times. Exactly. Yeah. Even if he looks like another actor. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, okay. So, Can we um, talk about some of the good? I think there was sure. a tiny little bit of good. Okay, shoot. Uh, I did kind of like the idea of um, some outside force coming to uh, a new culture mm-hmm. and – one of them and two of them one thinking that they can control it for the good of them first mm-hmm. because the other one's evil and the other one's saying i'm going to control it for me because i want the resources or whatever right, but right. when it all comes down to it they both want the resources just one thinks that they're one thinks they're doing it for the good reasons and the other one thinks they're doing it for selfish reasons or are doing it for selfish reasons but regardless they're both doing the exact same thing they both want the same resources they want the same they want to control these people one way or the other. I mean, the Klingons versus the Prime Minister's people. Yeah. Or you're okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, even though you're 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 still controlling people that you really, if you really wanted to protect them, then leave. You don't need to be on that planet if you want to let them have their own culture or whatever. But okay, by you about being the Klingons. There, no, I'm talking about the Prime Minister. Well, okay, they all live on the same planet. The Prime Minister they, they, and the Togolans but, or whatever. Yeah, but I thought they said the Togolans were the natives and the and these people colonized it or whatever. Oh, did, did they, they say that? I don't know. Maybe I made that part up. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, thought, I, 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 I thought this was not a Federation world. Um, and I don't think they ever mentioned about the fact that uh, the Prime Minister's people look like, you know, normal Earth people, anyway, mostly right. white. And um, and these other guys, these Togolans or whatever, Kogolas, um, are look they're they're humanoid, but they're all yellow. They don't have head hair and they don't talk. They don't not, they do not look like they sprang from the same root, uh, you know, from the same evolutionary stock anywhere. So you, you may have a point about the um, maybe the prime minister's people weren't originally on this planet. Or native to this planet, but I don't remember them actually saying that. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that they were. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I, I just thought – I mean I kind of liked that they were pointing out that uh, – kind of making an analogy to Native Americans and how oh, they, they were treated by the Europeans and things oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, well, you know, um, you, you might be able to say that about uh, colonial um, – uh, when the British came into India – you could say that about um, when they came into Africa. Uh, yeah, and, exactly. And Australia and North and, America and South America. Yes, Australia. That's very good. Um, definitely North American uh, with the uh, Native Americans. Um, yeah, the list goes on. And I thought it was very good how they took 
they bothered um, showing something that's all too common in people, uh, how they use racial hatred um, to justify their evil deeds. So when Kirk is in the outfit, he, he, he is Joe uh, Masquerade. He, he, is dis- he is in disguise in a, lot of, in a lot of things. So he comes in the beginning, and he is dressed up as an alien who is going into a bar of some kind, and there are jerks there that are giving him a hard time because basically he's, he's an outsider and saying, oh, you guys love Togolans or whatever. And it's like, God, you guys are such jerks. You are, ugh. But that's how people justify bad things. These other people are not, God, I hate that. But I thought they depicted it quite well. Right. In the comic. Yeah, and that's even before you know that he's uh, a Klingon. Or that before you know he's Kirk. Yeah, exactly, this, yes. This, this horned guy. Yeah, this horned guy out of the blue. You know, who the hell is this guy? Uh, but yeah, it turns out to be Kirk. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like, like I said, I enjoyed all that part. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, that's that's quite an uh, interesting take on, right. you know, uh, racism. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you know, peels back to the latex, and he's like, ah, I'm Kirk. <laughs> I'm one of you all along. No, ah! he doesn't actually say that, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that, that part I thought was good. I, I, I thought the... But I then agree. it just became silly. I didn't like the whole telepathic thing. Aside from it gave them an excuse that they can't communicate with them. Right. Universal translators won't work with uh, thought projection. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just kind of a cool take on it. Yeah, which seems like something they, they need to work on. Work on that thought projection thing. Now, that'll be the next thing that Apple comes out with. Oh, Apple. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say. I thought the artwork was typical. You know, some things were good, some things were bad. Accuracy was really not a concern for them. Uh and, but that's the same with every issue. Yeah, they don't. They don't really. Uh, you know, not, not too worried. I, I did reread um, issue thirty-six, the one that was the Planet Quick Change one okay, that yeah. we had already done. Right. And yeah, while so I was reading I. it, I was like, uh, I was like, man, I really like the way they depict the the ship, the inside of the ship with the. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, but it had the. The transporter room that was this like big dome thing, and and everything looked like uh, all the control panels and stuff were super detailed. Didn't match anything that's in uh, no. Star Trek. Looked nothing like what was in Star it, Trek. It looked kind of cool. I kind of I kind of dug the uh, the way it was looking. Right. But uh, but yeah, I like I like what Gold Key does. They they put a lot of effort into it, even though it doesn't quite match what we're used to as far as but a Star Trek aesthetic is supposed to look like. But right. uh, it's not like they're not putting in effort and doing their own thing yeah until they start reprinting old issues <clears throat> but yes <laughs> yeah i mean some of the artwork is good it's just not accurate but hey who says it needs to be huh right yeah you could do this you could make it look like watercolored uh thingamajigs exactly artistic license exactly it's all star trek exactly you can make the enterprise look like a, a brooch or a pterodactyl, or many things. Okay. What about a giant robot in disguise, Ken? <laughs> that, that transforms into uh, something else? Yeah, could be. Could be. So, since you brought it up, next week, why don't we uh, start the uh, Star Trek Transformers crossover? Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Um, 
I I think I remember you mentioning that before, but I probably put the whole thought out of my mind because of how ludicrous it is. Okay. Okay, so there's a crossover. How, is this a recent crossover, or is this yes. like an old thing? Nope. Very new. Very oh, new. okay, okay. A- at the time of the recording, very new. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, we can, it's a four-parter, so maybe we could do the first two issues next week and follow it up with two more issues. Are they unusually long? Mm, no, not particularly. Okay, well, <laughs> how are we, we doing? First, we can do the first three next next week, and, and we'll figure out what we can add to it uh, on the second issue. That sounds great. I think a break from Gold Key would be cool. All right, so next week... Transformers, Star Trek, Mashup, Issues 1 through 3. Okay, sounds great. It is the uh, cartoon version of Star Trek. So, Oh, oh right, uh, right, right, Perez right, right. and, and uh, the three-armed guy, I forgot his name all of a sudden. Uh, uh, RX. RX, yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I remember that now. Yeah, you, you sent me a link or something about that. Right. Okay, okay, that, that makes it a little, make a little more sense. Two Saturday morning cartoons from different time periods crossing over. Okay. Exactly, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Published ten years apart, so uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how, how uh, the art style of one versus the other uh, don't clash. Okay. Because uh, Filmation, they, they weren't uh, the, the best on quality animation. Well, I mean, they were good at the time, but I'm just saying it was still cheap compared to... Uh, you know what? What Disney or or later people were able to pump out. Um, okay, but but still, I, I don't remember the Transformers uh, kid show being particularly cutting edge uh, art. Are you crazy, Ken? It was cutting edge. Was it? Yeah, it was pretty I, good at the time. Was it good? It's probably okay. bad now. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm thinking back on it with kid glasses. <laughs> that was my cartoon when I was a kid. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. So so I remember it being awesome. But uh, but yeah, it might have been crap. Who knows? <laughs> well, I, I I just saw commercials. I, I never actually saw an episode of the uh, kids show, Transformers. Right. So all I know about is the Michael Bay masterpieces, which I've never watched any but the first one, uh, and I didn't, I did not care for it. I saw the first one, and I thought it was okay. But I, uh, my family loved it. Uh, my wife and, and sons. Of course, the sons were young, so I expect that. But um, but I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's okay. And then and then I didn't see another one until that one where they had Spock guest star or Leonard Nimoy doing the voice of some old Transformer. Uh, oh really? So I saw I that one. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was the voice of some old Transformer that was involved. So um, probably Unicron. Unicron. Sure. Know. Why not? Um, that sucked i don't remember that if that was the second or third one i really don't know but it was bad so well, leonard uh, nimoy was a, a voice of the original transformers he was in the the original transformers movie from back in the 80s oh uh, an animated one yeah he oh. and orson orson wells was in it as well so it's it's oh actually orson gosh. wells last movie before he died wow <laughs> transformers the was movie. transformers the movie yeah wow going out with a bang okay good for you orson um, got to pay those bills somehow. Citizen Kane money doesn't just keep falling forever. No, no, it does not. And uh, yeah, and he had uh, yeah, cool. So, anyways, so yeah, I think I'm kind of <clears> looking <throat> forward to it. Change of pace. 
also maybe a little silly because uh, I did kind of look through it, and there is a uh, they do have some transforming Star Trek uh, merch. Oh, some vehicles <laughs> in disguise. Okay, okay, great. All right, thanks everybody for joining us on the review later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.